Hey, it's Mike Shea, host of SlyFlourish.com and the host of the DMs Deep Dive, where we deep dive into one big topic uh, of interest to DMs everywhere. And tonight I am with my friend Grant Ellis. Uh, Grant, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Grant Ellis. I'm an independent content creator for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I'm an author of a homebrewed campaign setting that's being kickstarted next month. You may recognize some of the writers on it. Um, uh, Rudy, who's hosting the stream, has actually played in that campaign world, and I play Dungeons and Dragons eight days, uh, eight days a week. That's what it feels like. Days seven a days a week, seven days a week on a variety of shows on Twitch. Um, but I also run a lot of games in person at conventions, and I also have uh, two home campaigns. So, so you and I, uh, so, so we have a mutual friend. Um, uh, Will Jones, who runs the Encounter RP uh, channel, and Will has been on the show previously, uh, trying to help uh, old timers like me start to gauge what exactly is going on with streaming. In 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 his case, we talked about what it's like to uh, play and run forty hours of D and D a week, and uh, with you running seven, you run seven games. You run a game every day, like seven I, games a week, or multiple games I, on this day. I play in about. Three of the online games, or I run three of the online games, and I uh, run one of the offline games. So that's uh, a hefty amount of prep and running. But I've started to get recruited uh, to play in games a little more uh, than I used to. Uh, when I first met Will, he simply invited me purely to run. Um, uh, I really enjoyed uh, dungeon mastering, running games for people, but I'm starting to embrace the role of a player on streams as well. So, yeah, every day. Every day. That's amazing. Um, so today's topic uh, is one that we're probably going to come back to uh, in future shows and something where I, I doubt that you and I are going to fully get our hands around it completely in one hour. But I at least wanted to start the conversation of just exactly what is streaming D and D games. How are streaming D and D games affecting D and D overall? Like, what's going on with all the streaming for those of us who are kind of new to all of it and everything like that? But uh, as we do on the DMs deep dive, I like to uh, focus on on uh, a specific question to begin with. Uh, your three tips. So, what are three tips that you can offer all dungeon masters based on what you're seeing with streaming D and D games? Okay, um, and I've given this some thought. So the the three tips that I would offer to all Dungeon Masters based on what we're seeing with the streaming D&D games is first, always be yourself. Find your own voice and style. There's a variety of Dungeon Masters creating what I call recorded historical media that you'll always be able to access through these live streams and uh, YouTube uploads. Um, but each of them bring a unique viewpoint and voice uh, to Dungeons & Dragons. So find your own If you watch Encounter Roleplay, it's a very different experience than watching a critical role from a participatory standpoint, uh, meaning interacting with the stream, the community is slightly different. Um, likewise, uh, Dragon Friends, which is for essentially improv performers, comedians running D&D on stage in uh, almost theater of the round style, is very different than Encounter Roleplay. You know, it... So, but every dungeon master lends their own voice. So my first piece of advice is always be yourself and find your own voice. The second one I uh, piece of advice is to heighten your personal sensitivity to the expectations of players and the community. Uh, and that applies to things such as uh, your behavior um, and the way you're perceived by others, uh, meaning every person has a different background. They come from a different place in life. Um, the people I play with online are very different than uh, the people in my home game uh, that I played with for years and years now. Uh, and it's important to sort of embrace uh, that sort of cultural diversity where I play with players who live in Japan in a completely different time zone. Um, I play with people of different religions or atheists. I play with people who identify um, in an entirely unique a form of humanity than maybe I was even familiar with 10 years ago. Um, but also heighten your sensitivity to the expectations of the players and ask them about uh, 
how they came into contact with role-playing games and D&D. If all they know is watching Matt Mercer on Critical Role, that informs uh, their knowledge of how the game is run and how it's played. Likewise, if they've only ever seen uh, their older brother run Dungeons and Dragons and they've never seen uh, streaming media, uh, they may not be aware to other Dungeon Master techniques that you might know. Uh, and the last piece of advice is steal from the best. You now live in an age where you have access to more Dungeon Masters running Dungeons & Dragons uh, than you ever have in any point of history before now. And there's no real way to rank or tier them or say this person is definitively the number seven Dungeon Master. <laughs> I think there was a list at some point where they were like, and Grand Elsa's number seven. And I'm like, hey, sure. Maybe if I <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> honorable mention, Mike Che. Honorable mention, Rudy Massa. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, but it's there's no real way, but steal from the best. So if you see a Dungeon Master do something cool, learn from it and see if you can apply it. Um, I've used techniques that maybe in the past I've put my nose up and said, oh, I would never do that in a game. Um, you know, it, originally my home game was purely uh, gridded combat which I loved. I spent an enormous... Well, I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, I spent an enormous amount on Dwarven Forge tiles. Um, we would calculate the difference between running a game in meter hexes versus five-foot squares. Um, <laughs> we would uh, we would really embrace the grid. But when I first ran on Encounter Roleplay, and even prior to that, when I first started streaming, and I would uh, write an adventure module, stream, people could watch, then the very next night, I'd recruit random players from wherever online, people I've never met before. We're going to run a stream game, and I'm going to run it. Well, I wasn't familiar with any of the virtual tabletops or anything like that. I was like, it's going to be theater of the mind. Also, I don't want to prep an encounter. I don't even know if this encounter is going to work yet. I'm just playtesting some ideas. So um, it's important to steal from the best, open your mind to uh, other techniques, um, put tools in your toolbox, and know where that tool is located and when to pull it out. That's that's, that's all fantastic advice. And, and yeah, you know, we could we could probably talk for an entire hour just about theater, the yes. mind, the grid, and all that. And I'm sure I'm, in a future show, I'm sure I'm going to do exactly that. Maybe maybe a couple of shows. Um, but staying staying to the top, and and it's interesting. And 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 your your experience uh, mirrors very much what what Will Jones said when I was talking to him. I think so. He I, I gave a um, sort of an interview out to I, I think about 20, 20 different dungeon masters. This is a couple of years ago, and Will Jones was one of them. And and many of the like eighteen to the twenty talked about their use of the grid and battle maps. And then it came to Will, and Will was like, I don't have time for any of that. <laughs> it's like you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to run a game on the grid. So no, I do everything theater of the mind. Just because speed is speed is such a huge factor, so mm -hmm. yeah, he he had that he had that same uh, that 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 same kind of that same kind of view. Um, so one of the things, so what I one of the the probably the big thing that um, made me really start to think about this topic uh, a lot, and and where I said I definitely want to talk on the show, and you and I had met at at, at PAX Unplugged last mm -hmm. year. And um, and I and I've been watching all of the different activities you've had in streaming gaming. And I thought I want to I want to talk to this guy about this about this sort of junction point. And um, so I think recently, and I, I think I'm 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 digging through uh, some research, and I think it was Nathan Stewart who works at Wizard, either Wizards of the Coast or or Hasbro. Is he Wizards? Yeah, I believe so. And he was at uh, Gamma, and he was talking about the growth of D and D, and that it's you know it's selling more copies of D and D now than ever before. The player's handbook is um, you know constantly having new print runs, um, and that Xanathar's Guide was the fastest selling D and D book period of you know since 1978. And uh, he also mentioned that now is the first time he accredited this to the popularity of streaming D and D. And in particular, he said, and I presume he has the data to back this up, Hasbro being a public company means that if they say something like this and it's not true, they can actually get sued where the rest of us right. can just pontificate. Um, he said that uh, uh, more people were finding out about D&D &D through streaming than word of mouth. And that that's the first time in the history of D&D &D that that has happened. And, you know, I mean, I've been watching streaming grow, right? I've been seeing it and I'm not, I'm not, I'm certainly not blind to, to, to what's going on there. Um, 
but that was like, wow, you know, that, that, that is a big eclipse. And I've seen, you know, some people who were kind of, I don't know, sort of deep, you and I had conversations online with people who are sort of deep in the community. And I believe really see that as a big threat, right? It's like suddenly the population of this game doubled or more than doubled. And the new people that have come in that are now the majority of people have a mm-hmm. different view of what D&D is than those of us who've been playing for 30 years. And they see that as a, as a some people see that as a, as a threat. I see that as a great expansion, right? Like now that many more people, that many more ideas, like no one, none of them are going to come to my house and tell me how I have to play my game. So what am I worried about? But, I might. Well, nah. you're going to have to come, you could come here and play. <laughs> I'd <laughs> love to. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Enrique Bertrand, the new BDM came to my house and told me how to play. So, um, uh, but there's, so there's these tension points and I, and I see them and I've, you know, I like to run these little surveys and, and kind of get, you know, flawed and crappy data, but better data than just me guessing about, um, sort of the state of things. And one of the areas is that there's, there's this, there's these, there's these points of tension that exist between streaming games, home games, and organized play games. Um, do, do you have any general thoughts about these these points of tension? I do. I do. Uh, specifically, um, when we talk about what we'll call customer acquisition, and I apologize to everyone in chat, like um, they have literally a laser light pen. They're going to shine on me to say, Grant, stop the 10-minute rant, and that is a square. I feel like I just got my MBA. Yes. With that uh, one term. Yeah, so customer acquisition. So streaming media uh, and media in general is a very effective way to acquire customers. Um, it used to be very expensive. You know, uh, Wizards or Hasbro could spend lots of money running commercials on TV to try to acquire customers. In 2017, we saw a boom in what was called uh, influencer marketing, meaning take people that uh, gamers trust and have them be the ones to sell the product through their own personal unbiased opinions, uh, which may not be as pretty or dressed up as a marketing ad. Uh, But it was uh, prior to uh, social media and streaming uh, video exploding, very expensive to do that. Um, The second most effective way to market something is uh, finding out through friends, uh, individual referrals, word of mouth. through influencer marketing and streaming media, you are now able to reach a huge audience, um, a global audience. Um, now, and I know we like to talk about how a show like Critical Role is really big. Um, they had on Twitch, I want to say about 49,000 viewers last night, give or take a few, uh, 15,000 on YouTube. But if you took every viewer across all 127 episodes, and pretended they were unique, it would be less viewers than, say, the season premiere of Alcatraz on Fox. If all those people were unique, 10.5 million versus 40,000. So even though it's exploding, it's still relatively niche and small, and we're kind of entering the golden age where we really get to define the hobby. To the question about tension points, um, there's a lot of people... Um, I call them the fun police. I like to joke with my friend Eric Bulgaris. He is the fun police that will show up at your house and say you are playing D&D wrong <laughs> because you learned it through a stream. You didn't. You weren't a kid that was uh, ostracized and used it as a form of escapism. Um, so the fun police will show up at your house. Now, I think the tension exists that is in that the mode of the game is slightly different in these three environments. A stream game involves a community that will witness and partake uh, as participants in the show, uh, whether it's interfacing with the game or as a community viewer that does fan art. Um, But there is this uh, following that involves themselves in a community, meaning you can go to a meet and greet with the Critical Role cast, you can write a love letter through the form of music or artwork and send it to them. You can chat with viewers while they're playing the game live, uh, which is different than a home game, which is a game that takes place behind closed doors. It is a private affair. Uh, it is usually entirely curated by whoever's hosting it. They invite individuals. Uh, what happens behind those closed doors is not broadcasted 
and preserved online. Uh, and the snacks are always better, I've noticed, in the home <laughs> games than when I'm on Encounter Roleplay. I don't know. I've eaten a steak while I was playing. On <laughs> That's pretty good. Games. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, oh. Yeah. Oh, fireball. And um, lastly, there's open play. Open play, you need to be flexible to the entire diverse nature of all of humanity, meaning I've run D&D for blind players at comic conventions. I've run D&D for deaf players at a high school event where they were doing D&D Day in California. Um, I've run for psychologically wounded combat veterans uh, in a group called PTS D&D, where combat veterans play a game of Dungeons & Dragons for the first time. Um, any... Uh, military can come to the game uh, retired or active and just learn how to play D&D to relax and it's a blast but you have to prepare for uh, someone coming in from that. I've run games for children whose parents introduce them to the game in public so an open play game you have to be prepared for all comers and as you sort of watch from a distance um, I think there's a lot to learn that when you're in these various environments uh you might change the way you run the game. So there is no one true way. Uh, there is no wrong way to have fun as long as you are not uh, being cruel to others. You should always be respectful. But you'll notice behind closed doors, like I've ribbed my friends for 25 years. If some of these conversations were made public, they'd be like, he really that they, he really put the bad boy in bad boy Grant. Uh, <laughs> but this is, you know, it's... Uh, it, they're my friends, and we've had this relationship for two and a half decades. I wouldn't treat someone I didn't know that way. It's uh, it's term of endearments uh, behind those closed doors at the home games. Um, but if I take that behavior and take it onto a stream or into an open play event, it's not appropriate. I don't have that same relationship with those individuals. Their expectations of the game and uh, my behavior is completely different. So I think... Where we look at these tension points, it's important to understand that the modes of playing and running the game shift based on the environment. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope I answered your question. I know that was kind of long and rambly. It's um, good. Put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, and there was, there was a point like four minutes ago that I really wanted to grab onto, and now I can't remember what it was. Um, it's, it's hard to... I mean, like for for so long we've had sort of oh I, I know so so that that idea that we're all you know we're all playing in tiny bubbles right and we within those bubbles we control everything that's going on inside there so you know if I bring my friends over to play D and D on Wednesday nights it's those people and I can do what you know nothing binds me to any specific thing other than what those people what you know what I, I can do to entertain those people. Um, and then we kind of step out from that and we have this access to, like you said, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of, of dungeon masters. You know, I love I was talking at lunch today um, about Facebook and, you know, there's all the, everybody's talking about how, you know, all the all the Facebook drama that's going on. And and I was like, hey, it, it did really well for my book, you know, and they're like, well, OK, yeah, I guess there's that. And then I said, but the other one was like, I can go to the D&D 5e group on Facebook and I have access to one hundred and twenty thousand people. Mm -hmm. 120,000 and I can see like what's kind of hot the, the hot topic over there and I can survey them and be like so what do you guys think about theater of the mind versus the grid and I immediately get, you know get a lot yeah. of input and it kind of gives me this sort of you know again biased right not it's not a perfect scientific study it's not a random sampling of all D&D players but it gives me this general gauge of like wow that's really interesting I, I've gotten many surprises from this but it's hard to sort of get our hands around this idea that we see something like critical role and the attention that it's got and the amount of viewers that it's got. And yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Um, I hadn't considered uh, how small it is compared to mainstream media. Yeah. Right. And, and that's interesting. Wow, does a, that mean there's growth? You know, does that mean there's and that's, exponential growth we haven't yet achieved? Yeah. And, and, and that data point came from when someone was debating me on Twitter about high profile. And I was like, Look, I understand in my community, um, I remember when I was very proud of my 200 Twitter followers and I felt I had made it. I had 200 Twitter followers and I had made it. Um, and I listened to a media personality in 
the announcer was he 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 was struggling because he's like I've only got forty thousand followers on Twitter, uh, and the COO of his company said, "You're on TV every Monday and Thursday night with seventeen million viewers. Yeah, all of those individuals hear your voice for three hours at a time. What do you care about Twitter for?" Like he was like, "That's yeah. that is what it is." So, yeah. um. Yeah, it there is exponential growth available as long as uh, people are educated about the hobby and realize it's something anyone can do. Uh, as long as they're interested, they just have to have the desire to do it. Um, so is your question around uh, getting your head around the change? Um, well, so for yeah, for those of us where, you know, we, we've the old timers. Yeah, we've been watching the old timers, right? That we've yeah. been watching sort of everything move along this linear path. We remember... 3.5 was kind of big, and then we remember TSR and and uh, Watsi and the buyout, and then we remember 4E, and then that kind of created the path. And we've seen these things, and then it all it seems like after all that and then all the talk about, I remember like I, I posted on Twitter the other day, and I was like, you know what conversation I haven't heard in like three years? You know how is D and D going to survive when all the Gen Xers die? Right, like that was the big discussion that was taking place four, five, six, seven years ago, and no one's having that conversation anymore because no one has, no one sees that risk anymore because we see so many people are jumping in that are yep. not Gen Xers, you know. So, so how do, you know, it? Some of us, and and you know, my friend Enrique, you know, newbie DM, right? He and I yes. were, were, I think we're like a few days apart in our birthdays, you know, and both of us feel, you know, the, the metaphor I gave him was, I feel like I'm standing on like a train station and a bullet train just ripped by. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And they're like, well, that was D&D, my friend. I'm like, what, what? Like I was supposed to be on that train. So how, how are we supposed to? And you are like, and I guess. No, you are. It, it feels like I'm Indiana Jones with the whip on the back how of the did, truck how at did best. I and how did I learn how to run D&D? So I played a lot of role-playing games growing up from the time I was nine years old. I really only played in three D&D sessions, and they were all bad. I like to tell the story. Merrick Blackman's <laughs> like, I love this story about Grant's first D&D character. Uh, the DM said there were two hungry goblins. I thought he said 200 goblins. I ran into a lake and got eaten by a giant leech within five minutes of gameplay. Um, that was the best D&D game. When I, the two others, yeah, the two others uh, I talk about on panels. Uh, but uh, essentially, uh, I learned to run D&D by uh, gents like yourself writing books like The Lazy Dungeon Master. I went on Reddit. I said, I need to learn how to run D&D because it's different than Over the Edge or Little Fears or Unknown Armies or Feng Shui or uh, Earth Dawn. All these other role-playing games are played. Castle Falkenstein. I played a different role-playing game almost every week uh, for 30 years. Now I'm finally playing Dungeons & Dragons as 5th edition. I don't know what to do. Um those that kept the lanterns lit during the dark times are some of the best ambassadors as long as they let go of any animosity towards potential uh, students. Like, I've learned a lot from Enrique where he goes, I want to run Shadow of the Demon Lord because the initiative system's awesome. I'm like, I bought that on Humble Bundle. Let me let me look at it. You know, um, you can use the lessons of the past to shape the form of the future. Uh, when you've been around, because you guys have seen what happens uh, through the ebb and flow of D&D uh, &D throughout its 40-plus year history. Um, and also, don't feel left out of the hobby if streaming media is not your thing. It is just one sample size and demographic. It will not diminish your fun. And uh, you can have as good a game. I got pulled into streams because I was running D&D at a convention. Uh, Will Jones was invited to it as a guest. I was invited as a guest. We didn't know each other. And they were like, this is the master of D&D. He's like, I've never heard of Grand Elves because he has no online presence. They're like, well, he's the master of D&D, all things D&D. Uh, and there's bootleg videos of me running D&D in hotel lobbies. And I just kind of have... Uh, Kobold Press prepared, and I just start running D&D, &D and people start gathering, and I'm teaching D&D &D, uh, in conjunction with a Twitch streamer who runs D&D &D on Twitch who says, I'll help explain to some of these, uh, they're like esports professionals, they compete in video games for a living, they're going to learn how to play D&D, &D. and she's telling them how to make characters, I'm facilitating the game, so it's collaborative, not competitive, mm -hmm. and if you do miss the entire streaming bullet train, you can still enjoy as much D&D &D in your own home games. Your fun is not limited.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think you're right. Like, like I think about that a lot, and and I'm I try. There are there are definitely times where I have like the fear of missing out. Like, oh my god, I totally you know this the, the this hobby that I used to feel like in the fourth edition days I had my hands around. Now I totally don't have my hands around it. And instead, I try to be like, that's awesome, right? I'm going to learn so much stuff, and I'm going to see so many great people do such amazing things, and you know. That to me is empowering, but I can see because every so often, I, like the little doubt person will come out, and I have to push him back down. You know, yeah. I can see where other people find it threatening, right? They they see like their hobby is changing underneath their feet, and and where like a a, a common a common discussion that I've seen show up on both the um, uh, uh, on both the Facebook groups and on Twitter is that in organized play in particular, new people are going to show up at organized play with an expectation that it, the game is going to be critical role and instead it's going to be like you know a, a, a pretty straightforward organized play game and they're going to be disappointed and the funny thing is i surveyed that and said how often has that actually happened a how many times are people disappointed that their show is not more like critical role or that their game is more like critical role and then how many times are they uh how many how many people actually fear that that's going to happen and, and the numbers were relative they weren't zero but they were low and there were I've, a couple of anecdotes where people said, yeah, I had somebody show up and they started playing. And they said, this doesn't feel like Critical Oa. And they, they, they got upset. But I, I don't think it's as big a problem as people think it is. But there's a perception that, it, that that's a big issue. And there's a tool you have. I mean, Matt Mercer's been in enough media that you can print out a picture of his face and start, you know, put on the wig and <laughs> become him and move like him. And, uh, you know, it, it. my question, too, and like they might say it doesn't feel like Critical Role. The first reason it doesn't feel like Critical Role is they are uh, observing it from a first-person perspective instead of a third-person perspective. You are now in the game. I did a sampling. You'd like this because you're a data guy. A data um, guy. Yeah, I clicked on um, Critical Role one night. I just started watching, and I noticed something. I was like, I'm, I'm sensing something strange. I had just come out of a stream um, uh, on WebDM. I'm on one of their shows. Um and I, I hit the clip button. Then I went to the D&D channel. I, I watched for a minute. Then I hit clip again. I did that with seven shows. The amount of times Matt Mercer says, uh, um, like, you know, these conversation managers we use when our brain is creating something was about eight times. So was every other show that I watched. And these aren't, some people was their very first time streaming. Like it was their very first time streaming D&D. They said, uh, um, like, uh, you know, and as many times as Matt Mercer did, uh, the number of players that spoke in every game was two in every single game, every single game. Um, there were, uh, six smiles exchanged. I think one stream actually had four less smiles, so they're not as fun. If we want to quantify this fun, <laughs> your fun is wrong. But I noticed, and it felt like the entire universe was run, whether you're a new DM, whether you're converting a Dungeon Crawl Classics module and playing for a very small audience, or whether you have 65,000 viewers, you're simply a dungeon master describing a situation, the fiction of the world, um, the uh, players say what they're going to do, and then there's some adjudication in playing to find out what happens. Matt Mercer might use uh, voice acting techniques uh, to create fantastic characters. Um but other dungeon masters used other storytelling techniques, which were just as effective. And so there are probably more unemployed actors than there are employed actors. There's plenty of people that are very talented. They're just not as widely known. Uh, having been a casting director in ho uh, Hollywood for seven feature films, you can look me up on IMDb. Um, it, Is that it where the really sunglasses come from? No, that's so I can cheat and look at different screens and different things on my screens. And also kind of the, I, I started Without losing them. eye contact. So you're not like, yes, At, Will Jones one day just said bad boy Grant out of nowhere. And I showed up the next stream with sunglasses on. <laughs> I started dropping freestyle raps and he was like, what have I done? What have I created? It was his fault. Um, oh man, I almost ripped down the whole, whole laptop there. Wow. Um, yes. Um, I had to alter the streaming setup for the show. Uh, but essentially, uh, there's not that much of a difference. I mean, you might have an expectation. I, I've noticed also on the player side, there's some old tactical players, and then there's some people that just want to have fun. They go, I'm playing a barbarian, and I'm running into combat. Well, it's dark. You can't see anything. He goes, I don't care. This is my character. Let me play him. 
That was like a 17-year-old trumpet player who wrote his own RPG because he couldn't afford the rule books. And he went to a convention and he, he got to play D&D in person for the first time. Uh, Going to be a data scientist when he grows up. I took a picture of his rules he wrote himself. He reverse engineered D&D by watching Critical Role. The really? best he could. Yep. I mean, the basic years. rules are online. <laughs> you can, they're free. I linked them <laughs> to him. Oh. And he said, oh, well, that would have been oh. easy. That, that ruined his data science thing. Like, who, who, you know, who wants the rules fed to you? We can reverse engineer it by watching. It's it. interesting, and it might inform them too. Uh, what rules do they change in the streamed game because it feels right versus these free to own rules? Like, and he probably has done that study. But uh, yeah, I think as far as expectation, um, there really isn't that much different look at shad ross's dwarven forge setups yeah right yeah that's pretty cool right not he's no. not on critical role they've done some setups but he he can hang with darn near anyone in the world <laughs> uh or stefan look at stefan he's like i'm running at an event and look at this thing yeah you know at, so the real difference is those are friends that have been playing together for five years mm -hmm. play with your friends for five years that'll level set your expectation yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really. I, I think. I think there's what in the in the the times, and I'm probably oversimplifying. It's a co very complicated topic, and it's too easy to sort of just pigeonhole everything. But it it does feel like that the discussion of um, what has happened, you know, what what the differences are between streaming the streaming games that we see and games like Critical Role and the games that we see at organized play. And and I think it comes back to something that, and I, I wrote about this in Sly Flourish this week. Um, that Mike Merles had mentioned when I was talking to him on uh, the deep dive where he said, you know, try to think less tactically and more big, big in scope, you know? And I, and I think, although, um, you know, my, so my wife and I, for the, we, we missed the whole first season of critical role and now we're watching it. We're way behind. Cause I think everybody is behind. I don't think anybody, I don't know anybody in the world could keep up. I don't know. I suppose people do. I don't. And, but we're watching it on, on breakfast and dinner and, it's pretty, you know, he brings out these great battle maps of these knoll, knoll layers and, and everything. And they're, yeah. well, it's pretty tactical. So the yeah. idea that it's all story focused and not tactical, I'm not so sure that that's true. And but I don't that's even a misconception believe, that I changed, you know. I was going to say, philosophically, I don't even believe a story happens at the game table. I think that is what you tell afterwards. <laughs> like, and a great example of this is watch Matt Colville's campaign diary videos. Yeah. Then watch when he actually streamed playing with his players. And he even says, he goes, those campaign tirees take a lot of time. They don't get as many views, but it is a dramatic retelling of events. And he even has given disclaimers where he goes, now this all sounds really cool now and like this uplifting, awesome thing. But at the table, it sucked. My boss <laughs> was considering firing me because his warlock died. Or uh, it wasn't a warlock back then, but I, I forget. Yeah. And he was like, look, yeah. You know, what, what what happens at the table, I feel, is a session based on an adventure that was designed, um, based on a framework of a game. Um, and then after you play the game, there's a story you tell afterwards. Right. Play to find out what that's happens. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question, then we'll, we'll jump to um, questions from, our, from, our, from the audience and from Twitter. Um, how do you think the game might evolve? given what's going on with streaming with the recognition that generally experts giving prediction is usually folly, but we're going to do it anyway. Okay. Um, I believe the designers now have access to thousands of hours of archived media of people playing a game with their rule sets, and that'll help inform their design decisions. Um, something I learned when running on stream, I wanted to run more combat, but I didn't want to take an hour on a stream game, so I wrote my skirmish rules, which uh, you have good theater of the mind abstract combat rules to run a combat with an unlimited amount of foes. I came up with one where it's like, you know, we're going to resolve a combat between the party and 50 goblins, and it'll the whole thing will be done in five minutes, but the players will feel, they're like, I'm using spell slots, I'm fighting, I'm using my mechanical character abilities. Wait, we're done? Man, <laughs> now we can keep playing for right. three more hours and throw another one at them. So I think uh, I'm gonna look at those again. I know you sent them to me, and I had looked at them, and yeah, I, I need to I need to review them again. I heard Teos was using them in his uh, Tomb of Annihilation game. Really? 
Yeah, and I I normally use them on stream. Uh, it's a combat-like encounter that taxes spell slots, HP, uh, and player abilities, uh, but doesn't take an hour. Um, right. And that was informed through streaming play, but I didn't design something new. I said, I'm going to use Initiative from Shadows of the Demon Lord, Minions mm -hmm. from 4th Edition, Abstract Positioning from 13th Age. Uh, Sean Merwin was on your show, and he was like, skip to the end if you only have an hour adventure. If it's been a round or two and they've wiped out over half the enemies, just say, all right, there's one left. You capture them or kill them. So you right. can, and, no, no, and is he like the new age streaming dungeon master? Nah, he's a guy that's written and published like 400 adventures. Yep. But it, an old dog that's teaching us new tricks. You know? <laughs> Whiskey. Yep. <laughs> uh, so before we jump to questions from the audience I do want to ask so uh, this show would not be possible without our fine hosts at the Don't Split the Podcast Network uh, uh, Rudy Basso for example is our guardian angel he is he is here somewhere on the channel and will be um, uh, helping us uh, 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 moderate the questions uh, but um, if you go to the Don't Split the Podcast Network homepage at don't don't split the podcast network.com there the first link on the left hand sidebar is listener survey and if you can take that survey it will help uh, uh, sponsors of the show better understand the the scope and scale of uh, the 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 audience who is watching this show and it will help the show tremendously so if you could go take that survey we would all uh, appreciate it very much uh, Rudy did I do that correctly yes Mike well awesome. done very Thank you. good yeah. Uh, and do you have, do we have questions? We do. That's, I want to thank That's a trick. I know that we have questions. <laughs> thank you everyone in chat for being so active. Special shout outs to Wiley Hobbit and Genghis Sean for the bits. That is very much appreciated guys. Thank you very much. Uh, first question from Twitter from the goddamn DM. Uh oh. There are a lot of people looking to take their game from the table to Twitch. From your experience as guests and hosts, what are some tips for people making this transition? Uh, Grant, Grant, what do you think? I think uh, decide what you want to get out of it and decide uh, why you want to stream. When I stream, I have no business outcome in mind. I'm not streaming to get subscriptions. I'm not, I'm not streaming uh, because I'm sponsored. I stream. Uh, it's just an invitation to invite anyone to play D&D at any time. I run open mic nights where I write an adventure Anyone can sign up just on Twitter or Discord. I'm like, I don't know you, but we'll play D&D. It'll be on stream. And that's because there's people that like to hang out and watch and learn and teach me things. Um, so if I was you and your friends, decide what you want to get out of it. Um, talk to the community about the basic technical requirements. They're not as hard as people think. Um, and you can probably get up and running a game. Uh in a day or two if you want it, but two pieces of advice that'll help you. First, do a tech rehearsal where you get everyone on. Like, even us doing Skype, I had more tech uh, issues, and I knew I'd have them because uh, I did Skype with the Greyhawk channel um, than I have in a while, but do a little bit of a tech rehearsal. Um, check everyone's bandwidth, because you're going to stream. There's going to be an audience. You want to keep people uh, attached to the game, but you'll also find that the community accepts uh, tech problems like there's probably a drinking game going on with Kiana in chat and uh, Lisa Chen in chat where every time Grant talks while he's muted just they probably take a shot <laughs> yeah you might have had tech problems but at least you weren't late to your own show ah uh, yeah I you could be say. on time or on brand Mike good 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 philosophy mm -hmm. I'm not sure what that means but I like it I got it from streamers they go I could be on time for my stream or I could be on brand <laughs> Uh, Rudy, what else you got? This one's from Twitch chat from Blake Ryan Batman. Suggestions from viewers. Should it be critical to the plot? Somewhat? Not at all? Hmm, good question. Grant, what do you think? Um, Chris Perkins said, uh, if you're playing the game and, something, and you planned, but something better happens at the table, or if you're playing online, something better might happen in chat, Feel free to abandon uh, whatever it was you planned for something that is more fun uh, or better in your your mind. Now, me, I use the lazy dungeon master preparation technique. Yeah. Yes. No. Checks on the way. For, for every streaming game since I was introduced to kind of the eight step process, 
Um, I use two things for streaming games. Uh, if it's a more open world, I use Tom Lommel's plot radar. Again, something he shared on this show. Uh, and I used uh, the eight steps uh, from the Revenge of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Return. For every set. Yeah, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Uh, <laughs> it was Revenge at one point. I had to change yes. that. Change Revenge! Um, essentially, I use them every session, but if someone in chat says they whisper something, I think I did that on a... I was on a show, and just as a player, I made a joke in our private chat. And the Dungeon Master had a message to me privately. He was like, dude, I'm stealing that, and it's going to be in-game, and the other players are going to hate it good but like we had a bunch of fun he was just like i came up with the worst idea i was like you know what we want a cleric it's probably going to be the super villain lawful evil going to tax us out of our minds um and he goes oh yeah oh yeah uh change the course of the game excellent uh rudy what else you got from twitter and i think this person's in twitch as well fairy renee uh, as streamplay continues to alter playstyles, do you foresee a change in how game modules are created and marketed? Already happened. Really? Can you can you uh, yes. dive into that? All right. Have you noticed? And this isn't like a negative thing. It's interesting that the D and D Twitch channel uh, in July became the Tomb of Annihilation channel, where you have all of these known Twitch personalities, influencers, who you notice they have the hashtag WOTC partner next to their name and when they tweet. That's an FCC rule. Really? That says, I'm partnered and sponsored and I'm endorsing this product. You prob they probably, and I can't verify, but they probably signed an influencer agreement, which is not uncommon. It's the way things work in 2017 and 2018. Uh, but you notice uh, Roleplay is running Tomb of Annihilation. Encounter Roleplay is running Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, there, uh, There's one grung above set in Tomb of Annihilation. All these Twitch streams are pointed towards Tomb of Annihilation uh, to introduce it. And I think now they're noticing, too, that they can probably uh, market other campaign settings like Planescape uh, through Holly Conrad's new show, which is actually really good, um, or Lost Minds of Fandelver to newer players through the misclicks. Um, influencer marketing is informing uh, how the game is sold. As far as development, we need to look no further than uh, the DMs Guild add program. Not that everyone on there is necessarily a streamer, but it's a great way to get introduced to Wizards of the Coast by being a brand ambassador uh, through your media that you own and run yourself. Uh, look at Matt Colville. He raised $2 million on Kickstarter through an established Wait, brand. Matt, Matt who? <laughs> exactly, no, right? Just kidding. Just yeah. <laughs> you guys, did, and I remember when you tweeted, I was like, I just got introduced to Matt Colville's video. And he, I was like, here, I thought they were drinking buddies. Not that <laughs> Matt Colville doesn't drink. But this is a joke. But I was like, yeah, I thought these guys were in cahoots the whole time because they both kind of echo amazing things. Mm -hmm. um, yes, and Lisa and chat, the DM skilled add up, uh, inviting the community to write adventures and, uh, Xanathar's Lost Notes to Everything Else is kind of a good example. It's like, we're we're leaving town for the weekend, kids, and we're going to give you the keys to the house and the car and the pool. <laughs> Don't mess this up. And they write an awesome book yeah. that I bought and yeah. I used on stream, and they're just like, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I wonder, yeah, So and, and I mean, we have one, one that we know of is there's an actual spell called Green Flame Blade. <laughs> it directly came Green from flame. right. Directly came from their their online or, or or their their live their live play sessions. Um, so we definitely see some. It, it'd be interesting if any of it starts to make its way into the printed. If we if we start to see changes to how the printed material itself, like you know, you brought up obviously there's a huge drive to bring attention to tomb of, tomb of annihilation. Uh, when they, when they were writing it, were they considering streamers as one of the people, as one of the groups that would run it, or did they just say, "No, we're just writing an adventure, and that's what we're doing"? Well, I would look no further than maybe the assets being provided to streams, the uh, introduction of artwork being made available that can be used in overlays. Uh, but as far as like running D and D. There's really not that much of a difference between running at a virtual table or an actual table. There's some distance, but you get over that pretty quickly the more you do it. Yeah. To the point where 
I'm willing to donate almost my entire print library um, as a collection because I could get D&D Beyond, buy the books for cheaper, and have quicker accessible. You know, they have some great writers, uh, James and Chicasso, Mike Shea, and James Hake. Um, checks in the mail. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 really interesting to 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 kind of see. Yeah, and then you you hit a big point, and this is this is something that as the discussion kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier on, you know, the 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 friction points between these styles of play, and the the weird bit for me, and and it's it's hard for me to be like, well, is that just my world, or is that is that actually true? But I do go to conventions, and I do play with a lot of people, and I do see a lot of other games. It doesn't feel that different to me. You know, like when I watch Matt Mercer, it's a great show, right? And they're funny people and they, you know, they're all very engaged and it's very mm -hmm. entertaining. It's still D&D, &D, right? Yep. They're still they're still playing D&D. &D. And it's not, when I think about, you know, there, there's some people who are like, oh, I watched that show and my group could never be like that. I'm like, my group's like that? <laughs> like kind of, you know? Your or, group is more like that than unlike that. And it's right? interesting, you go to conventions, yeah. like, there's people in chat that I've slung dice with at conventions. There's people in chat where I've been on their streaming shows. And I think they could probably vouch I'm pretty much the same guy in person or online. Um, and it's still D&D. &D. We're all playing together. Uh, uh, Rudy, what other, what other questions you got? Yes, uh, from the Greyhawk channel in Twitch chat. Uh, Grant, you touched on this earlier, but I'd like to build on it. What does it take to get the old timers to engage with the streaming community? Uh, hopefully, Greyhawk the channel is way. an old timer. That's DM <laughs> Shane Suter. That guy's got gray hair and a beard. Um, so, no, if it, Shane, he is one of the most evocative dungeon masters. He runs at Gen Con. He's put a lot of effort into his stream. It's a great community. Um, I think what it takes to engage old timers. It's simply an invitation and education in the generational technology gaps. For example, you notice uh, Matt Colville's favorite dungeon master, Jim Murphy, is now running DM advice on YouTube because hmm. he has been encouraged by his friend Matt. Um, and Jim's like, well, I don't really like, you know, the technology component. I don't feel my present uh, presentations as slick as some of these other guys. But he's like, just keep doing it you'll get better. So I think it's an invitation. Uh, I had some old uh, OSR guys play charity games with me. They were hilarious. They played with PowerScore RPG, myself, um, the uh, host of WebDM. So you had this collaboration of old timers, uh, bloggers, and uh, uh, content creators, media content creators. It just takes an invitation. Just invite them and then help them through the technology gap. And they go, I can't use Roll20. Say, just roll your... Roll your real dice. Who cares? It's a game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you encouraged me. You, so, uh, you know, PAX Unplugged kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Um, I sat, I think where I met you for the first time was at the streamer panel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember uh, Adam Koble was on the panel and he made the statement that like, you know, people would be happy to watch you streaming while you're doing your income taxes, right? Like people just seem to like watching people do whatever. And, and I thought, you know, I'm, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go stream myself doing some game preparation one time and see how that works. And I downloaded OBS and I got it all fired up and you helped me considerably, you know, and you and I talked about it afterwards, right? But, you you, you know, we, we kind of got, you know, how the hell do I, do I set all this stuff up? And I did. And, you know, my first one was awful. My mom's like, you know, my mom thought that I was accidentally broadcasting, right? She was, it was so bad that she was like, she called me while it was going on. And she's like, you know, you're broadcasting the internet. And I was like, yeah, I'm streaming. She's like, you need to take a shower. So, <laughs> you know. Little too close from home. My wife goes, you're going on DM Deep Dive. You're getting a haircut. You're shaving. <laughs> you're brushing your teeth. You're going to wipe Gotta those brush awful teeth. shades. She goes, in fact, you should get those shades up. Yeah. And like, yeah. She's like, so, buy a new shirt. So we know it's clean. And I'm like, man. <laughs> Mine's from yesterday. So um, the, uh, uh, but, you know, I think I've done three or four times now. And, and you were you were very nice to actually go in and, and encourage me in my little channel with the three people. And um, it's fun. You know, it's a, it's a good, it's a fun thing to do. And it's nice to sort of get the process out there. I'm kind of doing it to, to sort of bring, bring, bring some of the ideas of Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master out there while the book is still being worked out and it's kind of a way to walk through it all 
Um, but it's, you know, it's a fun thing to do. And, and, and I'm always kind of, you know, my whole, my whole drive is, is just like the show is to, to try to, you know, talk more about the indie and get, you know, hopefully help people run better games. Um, and that was kind of my first like struggling, you know, this show was a big one when I, you know, getting, getting this and saying like, Oh, it'd be great if we could do this on Twitch, you know, like, let's try Twitch and let's try YouTube along with the podcast. But then I'm like, well, let me try this streaming thing on my own. Can I actually run all this stuff and not have it fail. So that was kind of my first look. You know, I feel like I got a little walker with, uh, you know, mm -hmm. with tennis balls on it and I'm kind of moving my way forward. But, you know, I'm having a good time with it. Uh, Rudy, what else you got? Question from Paramarks in Twitch chat. Uh, what was a moment in this current age of D&D that you experienced that was specific to it that was just awesome? Packs unplugged. Uh, I, I, I put a tweet. I put a tweet, and the first person to like it was Chris Perkins. I said the best part of Packs unplugged was Packs unplugged. Um, <laughs> I met Rudy there. I met James there. I met you there. I met Matt Mercer there. I met Chris Perkins. I ran a game for Chris Lindsay. Um, I ate more food with Eric Volgaris, who produces uh, for the Misclicks. Um, I. Uh, I ran into Adam Coble at a party, made it the most awkward joke ever, then turned the corner and tweeted at him. I was ah, oh, when you make a joke to Adam Coble, and he's like, well, you could try again if you want to take a point of stress. You know, he referenced game <laughs> mechanics, and he came up and said hi the next day, you know. Um, I bounced the uh, Project Alpha party because the bouncers didn't know anyone from the game industry, and they were, like, giving... Kate Welch and Alyssa Grant a hard time to go into the VIP room. And I was like, I, I can show you who goes in and who doesn't. I know all the names on this list and uh, can help me get in. And the guy's like, dude, want some gum? I helped him bounce it. Um, just super fun. You know, I gave a gift to Rudy Woot, uh, Rudy Rutenberg, uh, just the nicest people. And it was just a celebration of gaming done right. Not mm -hmm. as congested as Gen Con. Mm -hmm. Um, same, just a, a whole lot of love. A yeah, lot we, of had, love and we had a lot of fun at uh, at Pax Unplugged, and uh, uh, Origins is now kind of my new. Origins has been around forever too, so it, it's shameless plug. I'll be running there for Cobalt Press. Awesome! I gotta get in that game, man. How do I get in that game? Keep a, I, keep a I'll, slot open. I'll run for you keep anytime. Uh, but myself, uh, my, my 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 wonderful and beautiful wife Michelle would love to play some Cobalt Press. Yes, and uh, even if you can't get into that game, I'll run for you guys. Awesome! That'd be great. Um, I'm trying to think of, like the big, I mean, to me, I, I really, the, the, you know, that, that a couple of things, one being a data nerd, like what are the big impacts? What are the things that really caused a big impact for me and being a data nerd and, and, you know, I'm hoovering up all of the D and D tweets that I can and watching the, you know, the, watching the, the amount of D and D tweets doubling roughly every like nine to 12 months is pretty incredible you know, over year over year, I've got about four years worth and it's just been doubling and doubling and doubling. Um, and that, and that other one of sort of hearing for the first time that more people are learning about D and D through streaming than any other way and kind of feeling the impact of that and feeling about, you know, how much, um, you know, how much attention is, is being applied to this now. And that people that I, you know, run into, run into in everyday life now have heard of it more you know, then they had like in the four, four E days, they only remember what happened in the seventies, but now like, Oh, like stranger things. They're like, yeah, like stranger things yep. or people are really starting to pick it up. So, you know, what, what I had, what hadn't occurred to me until you've just brought it up is, um, you know, that there's a lot of potential room for growth, right? Like even yeah. though it's really big, there's a lot of people out there, you know, and, and, and it could, it could continue to grow. Do you, did so from the streaming side, do you think it's, do you think we've saturated Nope. D&D streaming? Not at all. And, um, I mean, I can imagine... I, I'd be interested to see 1990s Twitter where someone says, uh, we can't do anything on cable or network TV because Home Improvement and Seinfeld have saturated the market. <laughs> They're getting millions of viewers. There will never be any change. There can never be any more to this. Um and you will always have content creators. There's always a place. There are, you know, billions of people on planet Earth that would love to see or play in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. 
And streaming is that invitation to uh, connect to people who, uh, I mean, Wiley Hobbits in chat, he played in a game with me. He was just like, I'll play in your 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 game. I haven't played D&D in a while. It's been a couple years, a while, but yeah, I'll play in your game. It's going to be streamed. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Now he, now he's he's playing all the time. Um just it's the best. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting that in sort of the 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 general thought and drive that video games are going to sort of eat tabletop games up that people are much rather play The Witcher than than play D&D and the almost the opposite is true that you know Many people who started off in video in video games are now moving back to D anD. d You know, Matt Mercer, his his day job is working on video games, I believe, right? Yes. And um, you, you think about the Penny Arcade crew, and now you know, and how much attention to their D anD D games have 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 been taking place. Um, yeah, I, and I see so many kids playing it. You know. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just amazing. Local high um, school D anD D club had me out as a guest. They're like, "This is Twitch streamer Grant Ellis." <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me. Yeah, I mean that's great. I, I see that in the chat channel. They're talking about the you know the high school D and D games and um, yeah, you know what's going been going on there. And they're just yeah, they're really they they're they're heartwarming heartwarming to see that. Yeah, uh, I saw that you had donated to the uh, girls' middle school, and I'm sending them a copy of Goodman Games Into the Borderlands a collection mm-hmm. and Jared Blando's Epic Cartography because I was like. I think you have some girls that might be interested in these maps and how to draw them and having a collection of them. Because as they start running, they need that uh, Schly stack that Chris yeah, Perkins right. talks about. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you girls are going to need this. And you, yeah. this into the Borderlands, this is classic. You, yeah. you need this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ethan's a great teacher, and he's doing an excellent job. Yeah, and and just, you know, so so, you know, just... To let folks know, one of the because lazy because Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master did so well, I took I took some of the money that I received and set it aside to fund after school programs like that. So if anybody's watching the show and if you happen to be either either know of or are running a you know during school or after school D and D program, uh, please get in touch with me in email and I'll 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 help you out. Uh, Rudy, any other questions? No, I think that's about it. So. Man, this has been a Great show. I'm glad we got our total hands around streaming. I feel totally confident now that I understand everything there is to know about it. Uh, there's, you know, that's it. No more. No more. Yeah, no more questions. I can go back to, you know, <laughs> writing my my web log. And uh, can we do a transcript of this? I'll pay to have it done, and we'll just call it uh, Grant and Mike's definitive guide to tabletop streaming. <laughs> right. And we'll just right. Sell it on DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Hey, wait. Oh, there's some money there. Uh, <laughs> I think we get her to buck. Like, you know, be like, oh, finally, a guide to help me understand exactly what the hell's going on with these streamers. Like, what is this? This is nothing but dick and fart jokes. Family show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it has been a great pleasure to have you on. I, I really appreciate it. I, I definitely want to have you on again. We can we can talk about this again in the future. I think it's far from a, you know, far from, a, you know, I think we scratched the surface, tried to dive deep, but it is a big pool that we're, that we're looking at. So, uh uh, I definitely like to talk about it more, but thank you very much for your time, uh, Rudy. As always, thank you for for helping uh, manage the show, uh, wrangling everything, getting everything together. Really appreciate what you do. Hey, thank you. And uh, to everybody in Twitch who came out to, we didn't hit our viewer goals, but I do want to do some giveaways. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm gonna send to you like. Jealous II. I'm going to send you a copy of the D and D Fifth Edition Starter Set. Uh, Kiana, who's in chat, is a really good friend of mine. I'm going to send her five packs of HD minis. I know the Greyhawk channel has a teenage son who started running D&D. I'm going to send him five packs of minis. Uh, Wiley Hobbit, I'm going to send you a pound of Chessex dice. And I think that'll be good for uh, giveaways now. Nice. Love you guys so much. Love the community. This has I been by far the most profitable show for viewers that we've ever had. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? You're, you're, you have um, a Kickstarter coming out next next month. I do. I have a Kickstarter coming out do next month. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? I will. Um, in fact, Encounter Roleplay invited me on to run my homebrew setting. He said, I'd like you to run a game. I said, can I run my homebrew setting that I'm uh, planning on publishing? Um, as I ran it on Encounter Roleplay, um, actual writers from the industry who you would know if I said their names contacted me and said we have to do a book Mm. and you may be too busy to write it i'll write it your creative director just we can't 
leave this just in streams, man. This, this has to be <laughs> Uh, but I'd like to plug that on uh, Sunday night, I'm on uh, Monty Cook Games' official Twitch channel playing The Owl of Lysia on Sunday night uh, with DM uh, Marcy, and she is amazing. Cypher system is a great system. It's not D&D, uh, but Monty Cook is a powerhouse yep. of the industry. Yep. Back every Kickstarter they got. Yep. They got shelves full of their stuff. And on Monday, I'll be debuting on a new show on the Greyhawk channel called Violin Villainous, where they're going to do an all-villain campaign with uh, the queen of cartography, the mistress of maps, Devin Rue, and uh, Brandolph the Blonde, who's a streamer. Um, and there will probably be a secret player to be revealed soon. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an amazing uh, show, because I think they learned that I, I earned the Bad Boy Grant nickname. <laughs> And for your, uh, for your evil campaign, we'll see. Yes, and DM Shane knows. Uh, he's he's seen me. He's seen some shenanigans. Excellent, great, great. I look forward to it. Well, uh, uh, once again, thank you, thank Rudy, thank the audience, thank you guys watching on YouTube, thank you guys listening on the podcast. Uh, wonderful, wonderful hobby we're in the middle of. Have a have a great night. Hey everybody, thanks so much for watching. Uh, if you haven't already, check out the Behold Her podcast on don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. It's really great from Lisa Chen, and uh, yeah, just check it out. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>